you're in the right place, so stay right where you are. In just a few seconds, you'll be listening to the Preppers and Makers podcast, the podcast of the future, the podcast of the survival technician, and the podcast for those middle-of-the-road people who still want to be alive after apocalypse. there. I'm Greg. I am so glad that you could be here with me today. Hopefully, you have found your niche just like I have found mine, and you're the one I wanted to talk to. Preppers and Makers, that's the title of this, and the uh, concept of prepper has to be discussed a little bit. The concept of maker has to be discussed a little bit. You may have an idea about what both of them mean, and they may mean different things to different people, but what we're going to be talking about in the over the the length or run of this podcast is the fact that well preppers and makers are not different they're not that far apart at all now there are concepts of what a prepper is and you th- may think of the uh the the cap wearing gun toting redneck who's planning to after anything really hits the fan just protect his land with his guns and go next door and uh take their food because he can the, the the right of might and all that sort of stuff or you may be thinking about the whole uh, community building prepper in the context of having a community or group of people everybody who's a specialist and does different things it, this is kind of a little bit closer to the the theme that we're going to be talking about because makers on the other end of that spectrum you think of as you know the geeky folks who sit around and and build little automated things with Arduinos and that sort of stuff, little um, breadboards and computers that uh, you can put in Altoids tin and carry around with you, those sort of things. Or you may think of makers as the person who makes their homemade soap or the person who does woodcraft, um, somebody who creates something. And all of those definitions are right and all of those definitions are fair. So... What we're going to be looking at over the course of this subject is how they actually dovetail together very nicely. The The prepper side of the community is something that I have talked about for quite some time. I did have a couple of other podcasts before. We're moving to a new platform and a new, new podcast and new focus here. The previous ones I was speaking to, mainly the, the just the hardcore prepper community, the... The thing is, that a lot of that community gets gets blinders on. And, and, you know, it's an educational thing. They will do what they know how to do, and they're doing the best they can. But they don't check facts all the time, and they tend to pick a side that they want to listen to or believe in, regardless of whatever facts come up. And you'll find over the course of this that I am critical of uneducated people. I am critical of people who choose to be uneducated, there's a difference between stupidity and ignorance. Ignorance is something we all suffer from. There's lots of stuff I don't know. Stupidity is choosing to stay ignorant when you have the opportunity not to. So, in the light of that, I choose not to be ignorant if I can find a way to fix it. I don't listen to extremist views. I don't listen to news sources that only give me the conservative side or only give me the liberal side. Because I see the logic and facts driving these things. And if everybody else did 
and we're focused on that because everybody can see them. Uh, a lot of people deny them. If you could more adequately focus on those facts, maybe we could all meet closer to the middle and accept the fact that other people out there aren't going to believe the way we want to. And so let them. You know, that's one of the things that's important about our country is freedoms. And if you want to control other people and what they do, as long as they're not hurting anyone else, then you're taking away their freedoms. My viewpoint on politics is simple, and it has nothing to do with red or blue or anything like that. My politics on religion is simple. It has nothing to do with denomination. I believe that you are put on this earth to do good things and good things for other people and good things for yourself. You have an obligation to be happy as you can. And if that means you want to be uh, depressed all the time, and that's what drives you. Great, I'm not going to change you. I think it's sad. But that's my choice, and that's me judging you, even at that. So I'm not going to do that. When we talk about the preppers and... and uh, the, the preppers and makers here that, that come together, I'm going to be just straight down the middle of the road, and we're going to deal with the one thing that I want you to get out of this, and that's education. I want you to learn how to be better at whatever you choose to do. Now, I'm by no means an expert at everything, but I am a brain glutton. You know, one of the things that we have to deal with here in America is a an overabundance of... of uh, People who are overweight. Obesity is a big problem. And I've been there too. I've had long periods of depression when life just was not working out well. I ate my feelings and evidently I was feeling some heavy stuff because at one point I was a big guy. Um, I'm not a skinny guy now, but I'm not the, uh, the monster that I was uh, before. So, we have... Uh, all these people around us that you see at the buffet, they'll go up for a plate, they'll pile the plate up, they'll come back, they'll eat it, and then they go out and get another one. And they'll come back, and they might get part of a third one and just basically have to roll themselves out in a wheelbarrow. Well, if you eat that much, you're going to get fat. It's kind of one of those things, just duh. I, on the other hand, am a brain glutton. Now, I want to fill my brain with everything I possibly can. I go back to that learning buffet, plate after plate after plate after plate. And I don't believe in saying, I can't do something. I can't do that. Oh, that's not, that's not a skill I could develop. Or, man, I don't have any interest in learning that. I have learned so many things by looking into things that I had no idea would ever interest me. But I went ahead, I fed my brain, and if you continue to feed your brain, you will continue to grow. And that means not just the opinions you choose. That's just not the skills you think you're good at. You really need to practice the skills that you're bad at and the skills that you don't want to do. Because the reason that you don't want to do them is you're probably not that good at them. There's no sense of satisfaction when you do them. So you should practice them more than the good stuff that you really like. Because that will drive you to be better at those things. Now, that's where I'm coming from. And I wanted you guys to understand that before I front, before we got into the rest of the podcast. Um, I don't think... And by the way, I'm, I'm not editing these out. We're just going to do this in a conversational fashion. So you're going to hear my breaths. And every once in a while, you're going to hear, um... 
I try to take those out of my speech patterns, but they're still in there. So, yeah, I'm human. The The podcast is going to focus on things that I have learned, things that I know, and things that I have tried. And there's a lot of times that I'm going to rely on somebody else's knowledge, and I'll bring them in here. So, let me tell you a little bit of a story about some of the folks that I'm really looking out there to talk to, because I know they're my tribe. When I was in school... I was kind of a geek, you know, because uh, I, I wanted to learn. I wanted to pay attention. I really enjoyed the sense of satisfaction of knowing something. And if you know something, it's not like, oh, I, I have a pocket knife. Cool. Somebody can steal that pocket knife. I can lose that pocket knife. Short of debilitating brain injury or dementia, which, you know, some of my friends will tell you I've had all my life, the the, the only way I can lose that that skill that I've put into my brain or memory is lack of use over time because skill sets are perishable. The knowledge that you get and understanding are not perishable. You may not practice them. I can tell you that, you know, we can discuss the intellectual and physical methods to ride a bike, but unless you go use it and ride the bike, eh, learning these things intellectually isn't going to help that much. Uh, it may let you understand why you fell over or ran into the tree or whatever you did on the bike. But in the end result, we're going to talk about fostering a growth of perishable skills, taking things that you can learn and move forward. We're going to talk a little bit about self-defense, your everyday carry, your uh, level one everyday carry, including uh, weapons and tools and uh, first aid, that sort of stuff. We're going to talk about the people who were like me, the geeks in high school. The The high school uh, environment or world focused on the popular kids, which I was really not one of. However, the captain of the football team is a good example. You all remember high school. You may have been the captain of the football team. You may have been the guy who brought the AV cart in and set it up so everybody could see the, the educational movie. You may have been in the library and chess club and French club, or you may have been in track and field. Some of you all are Renaissance people and were in all of the above. But you got to think about that. In the world of high school, that person, the, the head cheerleader and the football captain, these are the popular folks who rule. Everybody wanted to be like them. Years later, the guy who ran the AV cart has the tech startup where the football captain works as the janitor. I'm giving an extreme example there, but it's a real life example. That happened. You may go in to take some business associates since you're a new business owner and take them to this cafe. And you see the bus person was the head cheerleader when you were in high school. Now, the problem is, now these aren't, this isn't getting even stories. This isn't, oh, we're better than them stories. They chose to stick with one uh, behavior, one set of skills, one set of knowledge and learning, and thought it would get them somewhere. And from most of the people that I know 
who were the geeks with me, the people who were in the chess club, the people who were in French club and in the library club, the uh, the, the beta club is an example for ex- exceptional, no, the honor society, exceptional grades and performance. These are the people who knew how to succeed in the system, not in the popularity and eyes of the other people who weren't succeeding. And those are the people who are the business owners of today. They're the managers of today. They're the entrepreneurs who have a business they have created and run on their own. So I'm going to use them as an example from time to time because those people had prepper skills. They were prepared for the end of life as they knew it. The end of the world as they knew it was graduation. Some of those folks are like, yeah, I'm going to go on to college for a scholarship. And and then? Well, success after that, when you're in a whole different world and you're not the, 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 the fan favorite of the, the sports team, you've got to find a new way to survive. And most of the those chess club and uh, the, I'm just going to go ahead and call us geeks. Most of the nerds and geeks found a way to move forward because they learned and absorbed new skills, were able to justify by facts and logic, were able to find a way to be prepared to survive. Now, a lot of you were on different sides of that when you were in high school. So I'm not saying you're not good preppers. I'm saying that you can learn to be a good prepper. Because remember those kids, you're like, man, that geek's never going to be an introvert, never going to step out, never, you know, that may be the guy who runs the business that you work for. Maybe he started it. Maybe he owns it. So that's preparing for SHTF in a concept. We're going to talk about what those people really are. And they are survival technicians. Those are just one example. There are survival technicians all over the place. Think about what a survival technician means in this concept. A survival technician is someone who takes a look at the situation, if the situation involves conflict or friction, finds a way to be aware of all of the mitigating circumstances takes a look at any of the multiple points of failure and finds a way to either lessen or avoid those points of failure and shepherds and drives the flow of this situation to a favorable outcome. You can apply that to every single thing that you do. And it's not that you have to win all the time. You just have to do that one thing not lose. That's survival. Now, getting stopped by a policeman, he may be there for a traffic light. Uh, He may have decided that, well, he's got a quota and there's going to be a speeding ticket. Or he may think that you're somebody you're not because a car that was described like yours was seen at a crime. In any event, when he comes up, he is looking for a clue. If you're a survival technician, you are polite and courteous and prepared. You do not, however, need to overindulge in conversation and give him something he can use. Because at the end of all of this, if you do something and he arrests you, your Miranda rights 
say anything that you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. It doesn't say that anything that you say can and will be used to exonerate you. Think about that for a moment. That's, that's kind of heavy. But if you know that, then when he comes up, you will ask him, Sir, why did you pull me over? And he may start questioning in some way, shape, or form. You default to, am I being detained or am I free to go? And he'll say, at the moment, you're being detained. And I need to see your identification. You give it to him. And he'll say, where are you coming from? Officer, I prefer not to discuss my day at this moment. Well, where are you going? I prefer not to discuss my day at this moment, sir. Well, why are you being, uh, why are you being aggressive here? Sir, I'm not being aggressive. I just want to get through this stop as quickly as possible. Well, is there anything that, that you have in the, uh, that you need to tell me? No, sir. I would like to, at this time, choose not to speak. I may speak to you at a later time. And that's perfectly within your rights. You, at this point, are doing your best to cover you, but not aggravate the officer. If the officer asks you to step out of the car, you must comply. He is in control of the situation and can do this because he he's, has to control things to a safe conclusion for himself and others. So, when you get out of the car, roll your window up as you start to get out. Turn the, the, the keys off. If you have a locking key fob, lock the doors as you step out. So that the car has to be unlocked for him to get in. He said, well, I need to search your car. I do not consent to a search of my car, sir. If he says, I have reasonable cause or have reasonable uh, suspicion depending on the term in your state, then, yeah, he's going to do it. But at least you're on record saying that you do not consent to a search. So that can help you in court later if this comes around. Or if he says, well, I can get a dog. Yes, sir, I understand that. Then shut up. The Supreme Court has decided that in a case where there's not sufficient evidence or suspicion or reason or probable cause to search a car, the act of getting a dog to search for it can be the next step if it does not extend beyond the time span of the average or reasonable search of a traffic stop in that area, which is the time that it normally takes under people talking to them and complying. So if they take 30 minutes to get the dog over there, that can disqualify that under the Supreme Court ruling. So you have to take care of yourself in the best way possible in any situation. So that's a wonderful example of where we come from, what our tribe is, and where you can use survival techniques any time in the world. So, your boss at work is like, well, this is a challenging assignment. Uh, you know, I'm just going gonna to give it to you. You're in charge of it, and do your best. And he might give you a little pep talk. I mean, you realize it's not being funded. You don't have the resources and people assigned to you to do it. And you begin to think, maybe you're being set up. You're set up to fail where you can be uh, let go, demoted, denied a next raise, all sorts of stuff.
There's all sorts of things like that. Now, this is a conflict situation also. So, you have to find the uh, points of failure that have been applied into this built-in, find a way to mitigate them, and shepherd this to a good outcome. You uh, can find points of conflict in almost anything in the world. Because... Usually when two people are involved in something and it becomes a negotiation, then one of them wants one thing, one of them wants the other. It's rare that you buy a new car and they're like, yeah, no, this car is everything you want, but it's not everything I want. So here, I'll give it to you at the lowest price possible that you're going to pay. How many has ever had that happen? I mean, I've heard of it. It's just not a thing that actually has ever really happened much in my life. And most of the time, they want one thing, you want another, and so you have these points of failure where you can end up with a crappy car because you didn't negotiate well. You can end up with crappy payments because you didn't negotiate well, a crappy overall cost for it. But in the end result, what you've got is a failure of your mitigating survival technician tactics. Now, we're also going to discuss all the little electronic things. We're going to discuss ham radio. We're going to discuss wire traps out in the woods when you're camping. We're going to discuss methods of fire start. All the traditional stuff that you think of for survivalist or prepper. And those are two different words, and we're going to discuss those too. All the different things that you think of for maker. Are you an off-the-grid person who has your own garden? Does your own herbal medicine? Has your, you create your own soap, uh, bug repellent for working in the garden. At that point, if you're that off the grid, have you set up your own solar panel? There's, there's where we get back into the, the small maker in, uh, environment. When we start talking about being a maker, I've, I've got that covered here too. I'm in the office, a door, or actually two doors away across the hall from my shop where I have... A, uh, a 3D printer, uh, a CNC machine, a laser cutter, in the back a little farther back, the bandsaw drill, press wood lathe, uh, all that sort of stuff. And here's where we have the essential oils, the soap making, the balms, the liniments, all that sort of stuff. Out front is the, uh, the, the hydrator and uh, herb preparation. So, you know, it just runs the gamut. And we're going to discuss... All of this in context of how they're really related. So if you're part of a community and you're a survivalist or a prepper, either way, and you're focused on guns and ammo, okay, those very good valid points. Uh, if that's your specialty, then you need somebody who can be a gunsmith. Are you going to be that specialist too? Are you going to maintain and be the technician for everything that you use? That's a good idea, something you should do. But maybe you're not. Maybe that's not in, in your educational background or something that you find you can do. Some people aren't suited for certain things. Maybe you're the gardening type. This is your specialty. Uh, that's how you make your living now. You go to the uh, farmer's market and you bring your truckload of, of vegetables every week, uh, every uh, two weeks or two or three times a week, depending on what you got going on. You got it covered. So if you're a survivalist, you should have three months of food for your family, prepared, stored in bulk. Why is that? 
Well, the first person with the, the guns as their specialty probably couldn't tell you. The second person, I bet you would say, oh, well, that's because most crops take about three months to produce. So if you've got storage until you can create new, you're covered. The, uh, the concept of making repair parts. Well, a lot of these are electrical parts. Well, if you're off the grid, solar and battery can be just as good as a line running to your house. What about security? Well, when you're in a situation, we're going to refer to some of the TV shows too. So if you're in a zombie apocalypse sort of thing, you really want some alarms and trip wires, uh, things that will alert you without making a lot of noise. And it would be great to have a camera set up, a, a camera system. And you know what? On one of our episodes, we're going to talk about how to do that with salvaging parts that you find just in normal, everyday people's homes. And then there are cameras everywhere. Your laptop has a camera. Your cell phone has a camera. And if there's stuff out there that can be salvaged to do that, I can show you how to do that and set up your zombie perimeter to watch for things on an old laptop that you run off of batteries from the solar or a bicycle generator. We'll talk about how to make that. And uh, you watch all of your perimeter areas with little electronic alarms. There are a lot of things that are specialties that are very important to understand, even if you're not going to specialize in them. Think about how easy it would be for a repairman for your computer, a mechanic for your car, or a roofer for your house to just tell you because he's the professional, this is what it costs and this is what I'm doing with it. Now, you don't have to be a computer repairman or a roofer or a uh, mechanic to have a good basic knowledge where you can tell if he's telling you what really is wrong and giving you a reasonable idea of the fix. That gives you some power over how things work in your world. So that's the survival technician. You've stayed with me this long. I appreciate that. You could have done like some of the other folks and got through this and said, oh, he's ranting. He's, he's crazy because he's, you know, I came here to talk about guns and ammo. And he's not. Or makers, well, I came to talk about the, the next RC thing off of my 3D printer. And he's not doing that. But you're here. And maybe they'll come back because in the future... On those episodes where we talk about that, we're going to get all into that and talk about things that the real specialists would love to hear. As it is right now, preppers and makers. There's an and in there, but you know, prepping makers just sounds weird. But it's the same person I'm wanting to talk to. I'm not talking to two people with that title. And maybe, just maybe, I'm talking to you. Thanks for coming here for the first episode, and I want to see you again and again. And we'll be sending out links to the Patreon so you can interact more directly, because on the Patreon, if you're a Patreon subscriber, you will be able to give questions and comments, which we will actually address here on the podcast. You'll be able to interact in ways, depending on what we're talking about, that will answer your questions directly. And I would like to talk to you 
individually, one-on-one, and share it with everyone else because you've got some brilliant questions, and I want to hear them. So moving forward in this wonderful interaction space that we've created here, I want to say thank you for being here this long, and I want you to come back and listen to the next one and the next one, and I'll talk to you later.